Yo, yo, check this out. Check this out. Previously heard. Previously heard. Good Hope FM. Let's go. We are talking about National Disability Rights Awareness Month, which takes place uh, annually between the 3rd of November and the 3rd of December. Here to talk to us more about that, Karen Archer. Good morning and welcome to Good Up FM. Good morning, Leanne. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be chatting to you. Of course, this is a really important time, uh, National Disability Rights Awareness Month between the 3rd of November and the 3rd of December. And then the 3rd of December, of course, being International Day of Persons with Disabilities. Let's talk mm. more about uh, some of these disabilities. Today, we're focusing specifically on learning disabilities. What are some of the most common learning disabilities? Yeah, so Leanne, the most common ones really that we see in schools are um, what we call specific learning disorders. And those are dyslexia, dyscalculia, and dysgraphia. Um, And I'll go a bit into detail on those now, but really a barrier to learning is anything that stands in the way of a child being able to learn. Mm. And history really hasn't been kind to people with disabilities, and they in the past, they really thought that all children who experienced learning difficulties displayed a similar set of difficulties. But more recently, with research and MRI scans, we're able to see that um, the different disorders, they really are impacted by different parts of the brain. Um, and so what we found is that specific learning disorders really do seem to run in families. So if there is a parent that either had a difficulty, let's say, with reading or with math, the risk is, is really like almost 10 times greater mm. for that child to develop um, that difficulty. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they really are quite prevalent in terms of uh, dyslexia. Mm. Dyslexia is that learning difficulty which affects the skills involved in accurate and fluent word reading and spelling. Yeah. You'll find that in a, in a classroom you'll have almost between 15 to 20 percent of children that are actually can be diagnosed with dyslexia which is really high if you think about it Um, and what you'll see those core features of dyslexia um, are those difficulties in phonological awareness um, verbal memory verbal processing speed um, and often children with dyslexia, they often have comorbidities of other difficulties Mm -hmm. that you find. So this is a real double whammy for children. You you know, if they may have a math difficulty, but you find that it's almost 80% of those children will also have another learning difficulty, whether it's ADHD, um, dyslexia, as I spoke about, dyspraxia. So it's really, really prevalent. The good news is, is that educators and, and therapists and those working with children are becoming more aware of the, mm. the difficulties that these children are presenting with. Karen, you, you mentioned children a lot, but around what ages or when are these disabilities likely to be picked up? So we generally do see them only when the children are um, starting school. Yeah. Because there's that much, the, the demands are that much higher. So those can be picked up and should be picked up really early. So from the age of three, when a child enters the schooling system, um, obviously that's at nursery school, but when they're entering the more formal schooling system, whether it's grade R or grade one, and as those demands increase on the child in, on memory, on um, processing speed, on 
academic, academic skills of writing and reading and maths, that's when we suddenly see that um, the demands of the academic skills are exceeding the individual's abilities. Um, and, and that is when um, it, it generally is starting to show and should be picked up. Yeah. And yeah. Corin, what are some of the uh, potential implications for children if these mm. are not corrected or if they do not have access to help? So we always say early intervention is, is vital. So the earlier we can pick it up, the better. Um, some of the things firstly to look out for, and, the, and obviously it's not specific to um, each learning disability, but you could see that there's inaccurate or slow or ethical word reading, difficulty understanding the meaning of what is read, difficulties with spelling, difficulties with written expression, um, difficulty mastering that number sense, number facts, calculation, and then with mathematical reasoning. So those all... Um, come under what we call your specific learning disorders. So if you are starting to see this in a child early on, um, that's when we need to refer to a specialist. And these specialists in, um, in, a, in a government school, a state school situation, would be referred to the um, support-based teams of the school who are then identified along with the parents and teacher um, and paperwork is then filled out in... Um, in a private school situation, through also through the learner support team. Um, but then you've also, you mustn't forget your pediatricians. I mean, it's a huge source of information for us and, and support in terms of identifying early learning difficulties. Um, and if, if they're not picked up, as you were asking, mm. if they're not picked up, the gaps just get bigger and bigger because yeah. the foundational skills, if they, if, it's like a building a house, I guess you could think about it. You know, if your foundations are not secure, you cannot build up. You cannot keep teaching new yeah. skills because these children need remediation in where those gaps are. Mm. And those gaps are generally right at the core, right at those early those early um, phases of teaching, yeah. early years of teaching. Yeah. Karen, right. what can parents or caregivers do to support children with learning disabilities and where can they go for help? So we eat, what we generally do, so the, we work from a bottom-up approach, which is what we call improving those foundational skills, a lot of sensory integration and perceptual motor skills. We either look at the top-down approach, so your therapists and teachers would work on that specific functional goal or skill that this child needs. And then compensation, which is looking at the environment and what accommodations can be given to these children with learning disabilities, in, whether it's in exams or just to their daily scholastic um, experience. And... Um, so they need to, parents, if they feel they need to approach the teacher and the, the child's team, the therapy team, and and work alongside them to, to sort of assess and discover what it is this child is really struggling with because they become the biggest advocate for their child and the rights um, with the team of their teachers. And then occupational therapists, speech therapists, remedial therapists, um, they're absolutely should be involved in this intervention process. And then, as I said, speak to a developmental pediatrician as well to um, sort of clear out if there are any other medical reasons why this child is not um, yeah. progressing 
correctly or appropriately, should I say. Mm. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Your your help has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, the resources that you've shared with us has been wonderful as well. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to chat to you again because, uh, yes, this is a whole month dedicated to a, a disability rights awareness. So this is such an important topic and we do thank you for all of your time. Well, thank you for having me, Leanne. I look forward to chatting again. It is such a pleasure. There we go. Karen Archer on the radio. We were talking uh, about Disability Rights Awareness Month that starts from the 3rd of November all the way through till the 3rd of December. Today, we were also talking about the most common learning disabilities and what you need to look out for in your child. It's all you need.